Hello, this is Kurt Frankum, and many of you know me as the host of the Leading Saints podcast. But Leading Saints isn't just a podcast. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we strive to create quality leadership content for Latter-day Saints in order to help them be better prepared to lead. With this mission comes a lot of expense, and we need additional help to continue our efforts in the coming year. In order to exchange value for value, we have created the Core Leader Community. To become a core leader, all you have to do is become a subscribing donor, which might be a monthly recurring donation or even a quarterly or yearly donation. For those who become a core leader through a subscription donation, you have access to our core leader library, which includes additional recorded interviews not available to the general audience, access to all virtual summits, discounts on products and conferences, and access to a private CoreCast feed where you will hear additional leadership thought and behind the scenes happenings. We are a community of leaders making this happen, and we need you a part of this mission. Text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to become a core leader today, or visit leadingsaints.org donate. And we're rolling. This is Kurt Frankum with the Leading Saints podcast. I am the host around these parts, and it's an honor to be so. I welcome you back to another episode. And uh, if you're new to Leading Saints, uh, well, we welcome you. This is a podcast where we talk about all things leadership in the context of being a Latter-day Saint. We're actually part of a larger nonprofit organization by the same name, Leading Saints. Uh, you can go to leadingsaints.org to find all sorts of information there, articles, more episodes, 350-ish or so episodes there, and uh, we welcome you. Whoever shared this episode with you, bless their heart because you're in the right place, and uh, there's many more to consume, but don't worry. It'll be worth every minute. Now, before we jump into the details of this episode, I want to just mention, you know, I get emails from time to time from people that are that have ideas, that want to contribute, that um, whether they want to write an article, whether they have an idea for an, an interview, whatever it may be, that is awesome. And I, I we are definitely looking for more help. And even today, I had this conversation with an individual who uh, he said, hey, have you ever thought about creating more content around missionary work? Or somebody else said, have you ever thought about creating more content around primary presidencies? And here's the thing, I'm going to be vulnerable and out in the open for you. (laughs) If this looks like a well-oiled machine, well, I have you fooled. Because I would love to say that we plan out every week and, uh, you know, and we, we have a strategic plan as far as the content we're creating. And you know, we sort of, I try and do that on the fly a little bit, but at the end of the day, I'm sort of just looking for interesting people to interview. I sit down and interview them and wow, a great episode comes out of that. And we, we roll with it, right? So, but we are looking for individuals who, let's say you want to just jump in and help leading saints for, let's say six months. And it'll just be maybe a couple hours a week. This is a great opportunity, especially for like bishops who've just been released from their calling as bishop. And they sort of have this these gaps in their schedule all of a sudden, but they still want to be involved in, in the good work or or contribute in some way. And maybe they haven't gotten a calling quite yet, or the one they have is maybe not as heavy as before, obviously. And so if you would like to just jump in as a volunteer, say, hey, Kurt, listen, I can give you three hours a week for six months, no problem. As long as I know there's a sunset to this uh, this focus, I can do that. Or maybe longer. We have people that, that continue to volunteer. That would be awesome. So like, for example, the, the guy I was talking today, I said, hey, you know, if you want to jump in and, and create some content or create a proposal of possible content that we could put out there around missionary work or whatever it is, I'd love to consider that. So if you're out there 
and you love leading saints and you would like to be more involved and you think that you have ideas or thoughts or you could make connections to people that would help enrich the content found at leadingsaints.org, I'd love to hear from you. Go to the contact page at leadingsaints.org slash contact and uh, let's talk. Let's set up a phone call and just explore that and see what we can do. Or if you do want to help and you don't know how, uh, we have a variety of things that we could use help with. So whatever your skills or talents are that you could bring to the table, we'd love to consider that. So send me an email and let me know. That would be awesome. Also, we are in, in the works of recording our next virtual summit, with which is Meetings with Saints virtual summit, where we talk about all things meetings, the science of meetings, how to hold effective meetings, how to preside in a meeting, all those things, right? How to do effective one-to-one meetings. So we're trying to just cover all things meetings in this virtual summit. I've already recorded, I think, five sessions so far, and they're phenomenal. They're great. I'm excited to release this, but I am looking for additional people who could participate in this. So if you know someone who runs a phenomenal meeting or has figured out sacrament meeting, or maybe you have a unique approach in your preparation to sacrament meeting, I would love to to talk and see if we can include you in that. So send me a message again at leadingsaints.org slash contact and let's talk there. Now, I've gotten the business out of the way. The announcements are done. Let's move on to the the uh, meat of our episode here, because I'm excited to announce we interviewed Richie T. Stedman. And many of you are probably familiar with Richie, Richie T, because uh, he produces the Cultural Hall podcast. Now, he calls it the Cultural Hall show in podcast form, and we explain that, and we have him explain that in this interview. But uh, Richie has been incredible to the Leading Saints organization, and I'm so excited to include him in our lineup of interviews. Uh, because he's done so much. This guy is a class act. He's extremely experienced in the radio industry, which obviously is, uh, his advice and perspective on podcasting has really helped me make Leading Saints a better a better product. And so he's awesome. And he's been so kind to promote different things that we do at Leading Saints. And I've had a chance to be interviewed on his podcast. And so this was a long time coming, but I got uh, Richie to sit down and we actually did it in his home studio. And uh, it was it was great. And we talk about just his his journey through the church, through his faith, his belief, as far as uh, he talks about going through a divorce and remarrying and marrying a, a non-member and those dynamics. He also talks about going through a disfellowshipment and excommunication and and just listening to his experience. I think we could learn a lot about maybe ways we could more effectively approach those those council meetings, which I think uh, we'll, we're going to be calling the member councils here soon, but instead of disciplinary councils. But nonetheless, I think it is, it's a fantastic discussion and one uh, that's fun. I mean, Richie's always fun to talk to and he's a good friend of mine. So that made it easy, but definitely will hopefully give leaders pause as far as how we can uh, maybe fellowship and be more open to some of these difficult personal processes that people go through. So Here is my interview with Richie T. Stedman, the host of The Culture Hall Show in podcast form. I find myself in a dream here. I am in a different studio, different mics. I have no control over the volume, but with Richie T. How are you, Richie? I'm so great. Welcome to the home studio. Yeah, the home studio. I finally, (laughs) this is where you record The Culture Hall. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, it's a podcast in show form. Oh, wait, no, no, no. No, a show show in podcast form. (laughs) 
And you probably don't need to. Well, now I've no, already no, interrupted. Yeah, the reason why it. it's a show in podcast form because people will be like, "What? It's just a podcast." It's also on the radio, so it's a show. It is on the radio in podcast form. Yeah. What? what where? What station? In the south part of the state of Utah. Oh, really? Yeah. It may just be college <laughs> stations, but here's the deal. It is a show available in podcast form. And nice. so people will come at me being like, why do you even say that? Oh, it's so whatever. That's how we're different. Because nice. anybody can have a podcast. Oh, yeah. Can anyone have a show on uh, the radio? No. 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 And I believe me, I know that anybody could have a podcast because <laughs> I have a podcast. <laughs> hey, welcome to the leading thing. That's right. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so tell us about uh, the, the cultural hall. What, I mean, I think most people, this is like a, a staple in the uh, in church history is the cultural hall podcast. Oh, I, well, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> You've been around a while. Almost a decade or maybe crossing over a decade. There's sort of that blurry time when we had the idea, we're waiting to buy the domain and then actually produce the thing. And so yeah. like I think of 2009 when I first came with the idea, and but then I don't think we actually started producing episodes until 2011. So did, almost a decade. Did you have any other podcast ideas that you uh, toyed with? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I thought about doing like a Broadway podcast because uh-huh. you have to broad uh, or do a podcast about things that you love. And that's right. something that I love. I have teased an idea about like a travel podcast before, mm-hmm. but haven't done anything with it. Any like church related ones? Or? Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, because uh-huh. that, uh-huh. I, that, there may actually be some movement on <laughs> okay. uh, on one of those. But no, and the reason why the delay is the the name, the Cultural Hall, fits so perfect for what I do. For people mm-hmm. who are listening and go, I've never heard of the Cultural Hall. It's a place for people to talk about all things Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. The good, the bad, the easy to to find our way through, the hard to uh, to figure out all the things, and uh, we call it the cultural hall because that's what happens in the cultural hall. You have those discussions. That's true, right? Yeah. And and where does that name come? As far as like, why do we call it the cultural hall? Like, do you know the origins of of that room, that, um, that gym? Well, a long time ago, the prophet Joseph Smith. No, I have no <laughs> idea. I would imagine though, it's something yeah. where like the cultural events right. would occur, and then. You know, it was gymnasium open. seemed maybe too yeah. lax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a church, right. we don't have a gymnasium. What do we got? Uh, it's a hall that's like a gymnasium. And what do we do in there? Cultured things. Right. Call it a cultural hall. But I've seen like different names and different church buildings in different like states and or countries call it different things. Yeah. They don't all call it the cultural hall, but. Yeah. And I no. guess back in the day when we were doing road shows and things, there was much more of a cultural aspect. Now yeah. it's just basketball and where we do the chili cook-off. Yeah. Right? Which is a culture in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Flavored culture. Nice. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. So give us your background as far as, I mean, you've been in the radio industry a while that uh, that you're used to, to yeah. speaking into mics. Yeah. So I started in radio. It's actually a, a church related story. This first part isn't, but I'll get there. When I was growing up, there was a, a radio program called the Dr. Demento Show, which is kids, if you can remember Weird Al, when he first started, he got his start through the Dr. Demento Show. Hmm. It was on a rock station late at night here in Salt Lake. And I would stay up and, you know, like record it onto cassettes and cassettes kid. Well, never mind. We won't explain right. cassettes. But I would stay up late, would hide my mom's tape recorder so I could tape these things. Then I would take the funny songs to school the next day and play them. And, you know, we didn't understand most of the jokes. A lot of it was adult humor, but we're like, this is where a joke line comes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so fast forward then to my mission. I had 19 companions when I served my mission. In Cleveland, right? In Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Two th- or 1999 to 2001. Shout out to the no longer the disbanded, the decommissioned OCM. The Ohio Cleveland Mission doesn't exist anymore. You burned it down. Well, I've got a theory and we can get to that if you'd like. <laughs> okay. But it, no, I didn't burn it down. 
but one of the companions that I liked, like I said, I had 19, three of them I liked, 16 of them I have never spoken to since and, <laughs> and have no intention. But one of them that I liked, a missionary from California, he was a little bit older and he had decided that he wanted to go into radio when he got back. But he and I really got along. And uh, I, when I got home, you know, you do that thing where it's like, I've got to get married and I'm going to need a job. Yeah. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So the talks that we had about him going into radio sort of resonated in my mind. And I went, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go into radio. I'll come, I'll come home and do that. So I get to campus. I find out the radio class, like the beginning radio class is full as the story always has to go. I went to the professor and I said, hey, you know what? Class is full, but I promise I'll work really hard. I promise whatever. In that particular class, um, your first semester in the class, you got to have a radio show. And so myself and a dear friend of mine who called herself Ashley D. So it was the Richie T and Ashley D show. <laughs> we started a, a dating show that we would do Tuesday and Thursday nights. And fairly early on, when we were prepping a show at a subway near campus, we heard someone in the table or like, you know, the little booth behind us reciting what we had talked about the night before. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This power, this, yeah. you know, what this thing is. And then I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Yep. And how would you describe your your faith development growing up, testimony? I mean, pretty, obviously you went on missions. So, sure, uh, sure. But that was back before we, lower, before we hired the bar. So, <laughs> and I tell this story sort of comically to people. It's worth reiterating here. I always really went to church. That was something that was ingrained in me. Parents got divorced when I was about 13, and I'd continue to go to church, and I'd also make my brothers, when I could, come to church with me. Uh-huh. So I didn't go you're, you're the older brother, right? I am the middle. I have okay. older sister who was essentially, a, when parents got divorced, was off in college and almost married, and then subsequently obviously got married. And then the older high school brother who, you know, when you hit like 16, 17, you have your own car and you don't talk to family ever again for like five yeah. years. That's where he was. So as far as like the home kids... Yeah, I was the oldest in that respect. So I brought him to church, always went, always went every Sunday, would find myself, you know, mission farewells and buddies from school and all that kind of stuff. So when it came to the time to go on a mission, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go. My older brother had served in the Resistencia Argentina mission. And uh, so he's someone I always, you know, really looked up to, but I needed that own, my own kind of personal confirmation that that was what was good for me. And there was a girl that I was dating at the time who needed a ride home from college. So it's about a two and a half or three hour ride from Southern Utah University to Salt Lake, which is where I lived. She lived in Utah County, so she was kind of on my way. And as we drove, she was like, oh, well, so what do you think about a mission? You know, what do you think about your patriarchal blessing? She's like the ideal, like freshman year of college girlfriend. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like not too <laughs> serious, but she's <laughs> yeah. also like, Fun have you thought and, about yeah. what your life is? Yeah, and yeah. are you considering the really, you know, <laughs> not only personal, but like... um like developmental choices, which you have at this time in your life. And I was like, oh, you know, so we almost sort of not get in a fight, but we, you know, the conversation gets kind of heated because it's like, well, do you know? And I'm like, no, I don't know. And it's like, do you know? I don't know. Uh-huh. Drop her off. And then I have that sweet 45 minutes from her home to ponder, to just ponder and, and have it be silent and be by myself. And I'm just like, Mah. I get home. My brother, who's at college at the time, I call him up and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And in that voice, actually. And then uh, I remember I go down in the basement, you know, like any kid who is raised on um, culture and lore of the church. Right. You're like, I'm going to have my own witness. And you throw the scriptures on the bed. This is true. Uh This is all Uh true. Uh And I prayed and I was like, I don't know that I want to. And, you know, kind of discovering myself. And and I opened the scriptures and 
or the scriptures had flopped open, and it was First Nephi chapter 4, verse 6, which says, And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. And so for me, I mean, it could have been like, it, it probably could have been anything. I shouldn't downplay it, but I really just was, you know, I think I already knew the answer or just needed like that little bit of a nudge right. to go. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that means, but I know I can do it. So I guess I'll go. And then, uh, and then put my mission papers in and got my, uh, patriarchal blessing and, and, uh, left a few months after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, any leadership opportunities on your mission? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, that's where real leadership happens. Well, well, sure. And, uh, (laughs) and what kind of missionary would I be if I didn't tell you all about my mission? We we only let, uh, assistance to the presidents onto this podcast. So I'm assuming. Let me ask you this. (laughs) What about assistance to the assistants? Was that you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a thing when, and that really was what I was for a while. There was a, a four pack or four missionaries that lived in a place. And I was companion with one of the assistants to the president, and there was another missionary that was a, a companion with the other assistant to the president. And so what would happen is, is those two would be companions if they were things like zone conferences, or if they had to move people in the middle of the uh-huh. night or anything like that. But we would be, like I would be companions with one of the assistant to the president if we were just proselyting within our gotcha. area. So interesting so no uh i guess this is the end of the episode (laughs) that's fine i I was an assistant either so it's all right so and and you're a bishop hang Uh, on well i know can you believe it (laughs) don't don't let the church know they may they have good enough records i'm sure they know yeah well i know for me like on my mission that was like the first time i sort of felt that dynamic of leadership as far as like connecting it to my self-worth like Hmm. i think i all my brothers wrote home saying they were zone leaders and and i have to you know, what, what do I got to do to get there? And if I don't get there, there's something wrong with me. Did sure. you feel much of that on your mission? I mean, I think, I think it's sort of human behavior whenever right. you're put in a situation where it's like, you know, that you want to quote unquote rise to the top. But for me, it was like privileges, right? Like mm. I felt like you were micromanaged so much if you were just like bottom level, you know, just regular Joe serving missionary. Right. And I felt like as a district leader, you were given like a little bit of leeway, like we're going to come to your area today. Uh-huh. And we're going to help you. And oh, there happens to be a great restaurant there. And we'll make sure that we hit that up. And then a zone leader, just sort of an extension of that. And then obviously the assistant, you know, it was essentially like, we trust these guys well enough. They're fine. If you need to drive in the middle of the night to get somewhere, that's fine. If you need whatever, that's fine. So for me, I don't know that I was like, I really need to leave this indelible impression on people. It was like, ah, just trust me. I'll be fine. Yeah. You wanted that autonomy more than yeah, 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 responsibility. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't know, maybe my background, what I you know grew up where my father was a bishop for all those years then in the state presidency. And so and not that he intentionally imprinted that on me, but uh, it's sort of, and then my brothers serve and they become leaders on the mission. So right. I kind of think, I think I'm supposed to jump through those hoops and, yeah. and whatnot. And so it's interesting how missionaries perceive that leadership dynamic, especially right. on the mission. So uh, I want to talk about the years after your mission, but First of all, I want to jump to present day. You're currently in the Elder Scorn presidency. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Second counselor. Oh, yeah. I mean- t- I'm in charge of uh, the new move-ins <laughs> and, the mem- and the member missionary. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You bet. Is this pretty transient area? Oh, I mean, you get gosh. a lot of- sh- Yeah? It's Salt Lake City. Like our ward, you think Salt Lake City, they're like, ah, oh, there's lots of members of the church right. there. And probably there are, but there are members of the church who have not stepped into a church in a good long yeah. time. <laughs> our ward boundaries are massive. Hmm. There are probably- I mean, I don't for know. Utah, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a Utah standard. For a Utah standard. I mean, it's probably, there are maybe 600 residences uh-huh. in our 
word boundaries, maybe more. We've got apartments. I don't know. Does that sound like, yeah. does 600 sound like a lot? I think so. I okay. mean, especially when you get apartments in there, that's like the word I was a bishop of that yeah. there's just a lot of and coming we, out. We get of, a lot of college students because we're up near the University of Utah. There's a lot of older people because ours is definitely a neighborhood where people move to die. Mm. Like they moved here 50 years ago and they're like, I'm never moving again, sweetheart. Yeah. All right, mother, <laughs> we're just going to stay here. So there's some of that. There's also a lot of like lineage within our ward, like within my ward boundaries was one of President Hinckley's homes Oh wow. when he was raised. A woman in our ward, her brother is Neil Anderson. So, you know, he'll come by, Elder Anderson, he'll come by, you know, just, just sort of some odd connections where you're like, why is that person here? And it's like, oh, it's a, yeah. it's a, fam- he's a family. He's just visiting. Yeah, he's just coming to see his baby. He's got to sit on the stand, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nice. And so uh, being in the elders, uh, over moves, I mean, I, th- this is, these are the type of topics we dig into here mm-hmm, Richie, mm-hmm, on Leading mm-hmm. Saints. So I've heard of some elders quorum presidencies just completely swear off moves, say, no, sure. we're, we're not the moving committee. We don't do that. But obviously in a transient area, you just can't get away from it. So yeah. if a new elders quorum presidency member came to you and said, what do I do with moves? Like any, any advice as far as how to organize that? Um, so not the way we've done it. Uh-huh. <laughs> we've just because, you know, those that are, are really active in like the serving part, like the actual physical serving, because uh-huh. we also within our ward have those that are like spiritual serving, you know, ministers, right? Yeah. So though not spoken, we kind of have those that are like, well, I'm more of a spiritual minister than a physical guy. So that's sort of an interesting thing. But what we had started to do was we just want to help everyone. We want them to, you know, feel the love of God. We'll help them no matter what. And, you know, we've only been in maybe seven or eight months. And uh-huh. and really quickly, we've been like, well, people will take advantage of the love of God. Let's figure this out a different way. <laughs> yeah. So we have started to draw up, not like a contract or anything like that, but like- a, Expectations, yeah, maybe. The, uh-huh. the, the expectations of, if you would like us to move, help you move, this is what this would look like. And it's things like, all of your stuff is truck ready. Yeah, in meaning, a box. Yeah, right. meaning the things are in a box or- like drawers are taped or things are put in a bag or, you know, like we can be, we can be kind of an elders quorum moving company, but we're not an elders quorum packing company. Right. Yeah. So there's something like that. And is that like a, an, a something you print out and actually that's where, we're, that's where we're working towards. Oh, okay. So like when that. we get contacted, it's like, hey, and here's a box yeah. and there's another box and have I done this? Any other expectations on that list? That- um, Let me think. Any other expectations on this list? We have talked about, and I don't think put it in checkbox form, but like, are you going to be providing people? Is it possible that you could provide people as well that are not members of this elders quorum? So that, that, you know, so that it's not just the expectation. I think so often it's like, well, the elders quorum will do it. And it's like, okay, perfect. You've decided Friday night at six o'clock when it's in the wintertime and, you know, people have the families and all these things. And it's like, like, we want to help. Right. We, you know, help you, me help you. Yeah, right? you've helped. You've helped in the past, but you know, at some point, it just becomes almost insurmountable to be able to help when you you put such expectations on people. And then also, there's an element to me of like self reliance, where it's like, although not self individual, but like, what would you do if we couldn't do this? Yeah, yeah, I love you that. know. And I love that just because it's, it's not like an intense program that you've put together. It's just you know, you create a list, and maybe you'll have a handout to. To go to, to give them where right. I think some, a lot of elders quorums, they'll just be like, you know, they're, they're texting everybody, just begging, you know, the elders quorum presence sure. like, hey, come on, we need, yep. we need somebody right, to show just up. One more, everybody, just one more. But if, if you, 
if you set expectations for, you know, the family that's moving and the elders quorum knows that those expectations have been set, like Mm -hmm. I'll come help out every time, you know, like if I know I'm just moving boxes, that there's going to be five other, six other guys there. I'm not walking into a thing that I'm cleaning up. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I think that we said is, you know, we'll help on our end. Mm -hmm. So, oh, you're moving to a different ward and it's not very far. Cool. Good. Let that elders quorum know that you're coming. (laughs) Let let us help you find that number. Or, or... Or you're coming to our ward. Cool. We'll see you when you get here. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that's kind of, if there were any other like written out expectations, nice. that's what we've done. Any other responsibilities in your, in your current calling? Um, making meetings run on time. What? Like presidency meetings? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and I find this through the day job because I work for um, the Lord's University, uh, which by the way is BYU. It Everyone who want to have that argument. That is where the tithing funds go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I got into it, I also had sort of transitioned into the new job down at BYU and that 14th article of faith of we believe in that we've had many meetings that Uh we hold many meetings and that we will yet hold many meetings. (laughs) And there's a part in there about email and whatever. So the thing for me is like, if I am down to have a meeting, if it needs to be a meeting and we have a time limit on this thing, I will do it. I, I am Mr. Brainstormer. Get me in. I am all hands on deck. I am bringing ideas to the table. But if it's a, well, we've always had an hour long meeting and Uh uh, we do it on Wednesday nights. Like, I'm just like, forget it. So my first meeting in the elders quorum, I come in and I'm like, I walk in and it was an all new elders quorum. All of us had been called at the same time. I I wasn't added in. And I said, here's the deal. I'm leaving in an hour. Uh Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, we get in and here's what we're thinking. That's when we divide the responsibilities and whatever, right? And so it gets to be an hour and we're not done. Uh-huh. And I said, it's been an hour and I'm leaving. And they're like, <laughs> oh, Richie. And I snapped my computer together and walked right out the door. And I got a text message from the, the president that was like, are you mad? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I, am I told you. <laughs> I'm 100% not mad, but I am 100% not lasting in a meeting longer than an hour. Yeah. I'll meet in another meeting. And so since then, as we've put like, not limitations, but like guidelines, like this will be a half hour meeting. These will be 15 minute discussions. This will be because I did that. Like people know that at the end of whatever that time that's set out for it, I am standing up and I am walking out. And I don't think enough members of the church do that. Yeah. I remember uh, serving as bishop. And, and obviously when you're you're the guy in charge, you have a little more you know control over what happens. But I, I set that standard with my counselor saying, we only meet as a bishopric for an hour. And mm-hmm. when we get to that hour, we're done. You yeah. know, it, everybody goes home and that's happy. And, and it did take one or two times for them to say, oh, wow, he's really serious. Like yep. we do really end. And and I love that even as a counselor, you can say, you guys can keep meeting, yeah, but no, I've done I'm, it with I'm an hour. Good. I'm good. Right. Uh, there were, and, and also uh, with that, the idea of an agenda. Yeah. And, and I've tried to transfer both of these things uh, to my work, which I have a funny story if we have time for that about doing that at BYU. I'll just tell you. Okay. So, your- <laughs> uh, so, so, so if you can imagine um, working at BYU, I work for BYU Broadcasting and I'm down there and uh, at like my first two weeks, I'm like, how does anyone get anything done in this place? There's serious, and I'm not joking. Like it was, you know, I'd, I would pre-record an interview and then I would sit down and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go through some emails and I'm going to, you know, schedule out this next thing. And they're like, oh, hey, there's a meeting for this. And then, you know, you sit back down after the meeting and hey, there's another meeting for this. And I'm like, when, when are you all doing like yeah. the work that is not taking place in these meetings? And so- at like our first all of broadcasting meeting, 
you know, they said, hey, uh, does anybody have any concerns like we do as leadership and then have the expectation that no one will right. say anything? Or if they do, it'll be like, <laughs> can we get some more saltines in the cantina so that we have something for our soup? And I just raised my hand and I said, can we please meet less? I have no time to do the things that I would like to do. Awesome. And I wasn't being mean. Right. I just was like, I don't, you know, really lost looking around going, I don't know how you guys do your job or feel good about the job that you're doing because we're constantly in meetings. And so we get, we get out of that. And between text messages and people like stopping me in the hall, they're like, you are so brave. <laughs> and champion. I was, and I, but I was like, I'm not brave. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of time, because guess what? If you schedule an hour for a meeting, you know how long that meeting is going to go? An hour. But you know what? Guess what? If you schedule that meeting for a half an hour, guess how long that meeting is going to go? Half hour? Half hour. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, and, and, so I can happily report back that both in church and in my church run job, uh -huh. meetings are shorter and more productive. Wow. Look at that. And I again, I just love the concept of, it's not like you are, you're not the CEO of BYU Broadcasting and, no. and that's why it's happening. That's but, not my job. Yeah. <laughs> Nor will it ever be. No, I mean, ever, especially after this. All right. <laughs> but I just love that, you know, you just took a moment to to speak up and especially gave you the opportunity to say, I have the concern, you know, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, mm -hmm. but this is part of our culture that needs to change, right? Yeah. And whether it's a small presidency in a, in a local ward or uh, an organization, right? Yeah. So anything else? Uh, I mean, what drives you crazy about the calling? I know we've had some... And now that we'll go into the details of some of the sure, conversations sure. we've had, but I mean, well, sometimes I, could, I couldn't share some, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but sometimes I get the message from you and others are just like, okay, what, why are we doing this circus? Like, why is this happening? And, and anything that's, uh, I mean, difficult. so here is the thing that I genuinely wish everyone listening would do. I want you, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. And then I want you to hit pause on your listening right. device. Okay. Sorry. They'll get back to it. I promise. Right. But I want you to do this because it would. It would help so much. So there is an app and it's called LDS Tools. And if you aren't I able to log in. Now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's <laughs> all right. We don't, we don't, yeah. don't go down that rabbit it's hole. Called, it's <laughs> called Tools. It's called Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Tools. But they just called it Tools for short. So you can get it and you can get it put on your phone. And if you need a login, you can get the login from your clerk. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that login yet, maybe jot this down and then come back and listen to this. Right, but right. for everyone else, log in to your tools app and update your picture and make sure that if you have kids that uh, they're listed in there and their birthdays are correct, make sure your birthday is correct. Make sure your telephone number and your email address is correct. Make sure like anything that you could possibly fill out on your end in the tools app is done and then come back and we'll rejoin this conversation. Okay. And you may now pause. Yeah. All right. Welcome back. And uh, you've really helped the church. With, <laughs> I'm not I kidding. Mean, it's true. So we'll be so we'll be in meetings. And here's why I think that needs to change. One, there are a lot of people that like, and I'm not without fault on this. Like I looked at mine and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm still married to my ex-wife on tools. This is awesome. <laughs> we, I mean, we weren't even married in the temple. It's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, I got to change that. How can I do that? The, but there are things like we'll be having meetings and people will be like, oh, it's the Frankums. And I'm like, Frankums, Frankums. Yeah. And I go to the tools app because that's what it's for. And I look it up and it's, first of all, either not there available uh -huh. for picture or it's a picture that's so old that, Kurt, you have hair and you're <laughs> handsome. And that's been at least 20 years. Right. I'm like, who is this handsome? Oh, I guess if I add a few pounds here. Oh, come takes, on. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. You're a handsome gentleman oh, and I know on. I can poke you. But, you know, you have these pictures and I just don't know. 
And and you can have a picture for every single person. So kid can have a picture there. You and your whole family can have like the cover photo there, but individually put a picture so we know what you look like, have a way for us to get in contact with you so we don't have to go to your house, which is late at night, which you didn't want us to go there unannounced, but we couldn't announce because we didn't have your phone number. Update your information. Nice. I know you just came back from updating your information, so now I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir. Right, but uh, I, but it's the little things, right? Yeah, it's little. But things. that's a that's a, that's a massive thing. Yeah, and, and it really helps. I mean, if you want to, we always ask the bishop or whoever. Like, is there anything we can do for you? That's what you can do for him. Yeah, right? update it. Yeah, update it. And, and you know what? People won't do it. Right. People will be like, "I'm blowing through this pause thing." <laughs> oh, that was funny Shame that they did on that. You. Shame. But I guarantee you, yeah. most people won't, and it will continue to be a burden on those who then have to spend the time. Who? Huh? Oh, I'll go over. Hey, yeah. can we get a right number? Oh, I'll put it in. Yeah. Fine. Great. Then, or then you have to go over to Facebook and, you know, yeah. you're looking through 10 Richie Stedmans right. that are around the world. There's and... only one. <laughs> There's a complete side tangent story for that. I, I'm terrible. Let me tell you real okay, quick. All right, He's not a member of the church. He lives in England. His name is Richie Stedman. We look kind of alike. We're probably related on some level, but he will always message me on Facebook. That'll be like, hey, do you know this person? Because they messaged me <laughs> and vice versa. If someone starts talking to me about something, I'm like, I don't know what uh-huh. even this is. I'll buzz him. He'll be like, oh, yeah, bollocks. That's my whatever, you know, and have me send that person. <laughs> there anyway. you are. Love it. They're building connections around yeah. the world, Richie. So. We'll get him. We'll get him into a church soon. Oh, we will. So you mentioned... Uh, you're divorced, but you recently remarried yeah, yes. to an incredible girl. Oh my gosh! And uh, had the opportunity to draw people funny at your yeah. at your yeah. Uh, you wedding. came. You know, yeah. I didn't have many friends there. I you hope know, that I you recognize that. <laughs> no, I, I was like, you know, I got there a little early, set everything up, and like, oh, the wedding's not going to start. No, I'll just hang out in the back and witness this beautiful moment of Richie's life. And then I'm sitting down, and and uh, my friend Thomas was there, and. Um, so I sat by him and I look around and I'm like, I can name like 10 other people who are much more closer to Richie than I am. And what am I doing here? I yeah. always felt like I had to disappear, but it was great. I appreciate no, you. No, and I was glad you were there. You asked yeah. to be there. You said, hey, can I come and watch? And I was like, sure. But oh. we kept it pretty small. Yeah. No, it was great. Honored to have you great. there. So, and your current wife is is not a member. Correct. And, but I appreciate it. Like at uh, some point on your story, you mentioned that there was this moment when you were dating, say, where you had to say, Going to church is important to me, and I'd love for you to come. Not that you like drug her there or is it now and meet with the missionaries or do any right. of this, but and I appreciate that she re- has really respected that and mm-hmm. attends. And maybe explain that dynamic and what you learned from that. Well, so I mean, it's a little bit deeper. There's always a story, right. a story with me, Kurt, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. To, I'm sorry to everyone who's like, does he have some sort of disease where he can't stay down topic? Yes, I do. <laughs> but so flash forward or flash back to probably man, ten or fifteen years ago. Has that been that long? Oh, maybe 10 years ago. So it was that point when my in my late 20s, almost early 30s, where I'm like, man, I should be married, right? Everyone else is doing it. It was something that I wanted to do. It was something that like if I had gotten even remotely close to before, I just couldn't seem to figure my way out. So I, I meet my now ex-wife and, uh, you know, she has a son and she's a member of the church. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, think, I, I yeah. think this could be it. You know, I felt really good about it, prayed, asked God, and he's like, yeah, boom, sort of a special experience that wouldn't be described as bam, but for the sake of this story, I was like, yeah, no, I feel really impressed that I should marry her. So as part of that, though, we got engaged and then I went to Chicago and I met someone there. Now, hold on. There was no sort of like funny business or anything like that, but I made a friend there who I was like, man, I bet that. You know, were I in a different situation, I could marry 
this person because her and I had this sort of different relationship, which was very fun, playful and all those things. But the thing that kept resonating with me in my mind was this person is not a member of the church. Mm -hmm. My fiance at home is, that's going to be a better life. That's a fit. That's all these things, right? So the, and at that point had already received that kind of like, you know, impression from God that that would be who who she had married. So, you know, put all that aside, come back, we get married and it was terrible. It was a disaster. And like early on, you knew this was not going to work. I mean, I think within the culture, the culture of the church, we're always like, oh, I just need to try harder. It's clearly me. Need to pray harder. Focus on myself. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go to the temple and ask for hearts to be changed and all these things. And, and then ultimately it just became um, very apparent that it was not a thing that I should be a part of. And part of the, the really big struggle toward the end of it was like, come on, God, where are you at? Yeah. Like, like, did I make up the impression? No. I know what promptings of the spirit feel like. So I didn't do that. So then it was like, well, then where are you at? Like, why why was this a great idea? Because not only does this suck real bad right now, but it's also been super hard for a really long time. And all these things that I see other people experiencing in their marriage, like we love each other so much and we're planning for an eternal. It's like, nope, not here. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is not what I what I bought in for, or certainly what I felt like God was promising. And and so it became a thing like as I was like, I am now for sure going to be divorced. People talk about being angry with God. And I was, I was like, nah, okay, don't keep your deal, pal. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I, and you know, the, the girl in Chicago, first of all, we were just friends. Second of all, she would have never married me. Third of all, <laughs> you know, all those things. Yeah. But my mind was like, well, why didn't I go and try and have a relationship with someone who I felt like would love me more rather than this really you know, the, this prerequisite be that she check a, a church box. So, so let me ask you a question that, yeah. in that phase there, like as you're going through this, you're sort of coming to the realization, wow, this isn't going to work. Like did, did you look towards your local leaders or bishop or ever for guidance and perspective? Sure. What helped, what didn't, or, or looking back in hindsight, like what advice would you give to a bishop with somebody in that state? Well, we got divorced, so it didn't help. Right. <laughs> well, or did it? <laughs> I mean, because that's the thing. Is, no, I, so I think my old bishop was a lawyer. Uh-huh. The bishop of the time. And, you know, bless his heart. He was friends with the both of us. And and he, you know, he wanted to to extend sort of that uh, that love. And, you know, we really think you guys are great as a couple and we like having you in the ward. But there wasn't ever anything that, that he said that, you know, was particularly stirring. And to be fair to him, I don't think it would have mattered. I yeah. think that she was who she was and chose what she chose to do and yeah. and what not to do. And and so... But do you look back at that like that you were like, was that part of the anger you felt towards God? Like even, you know, were you looking for answers from the bishop or from anybody like, I mean, nobody knows why this isn't working. And, you know, I mean, I think I was hopeful, like that we would go into a meeting with the bishop and the bishop would say something and then be like, oh, oh, I love you. We're so great. We got to pray before we go to bed. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the thing that was missing. Yeah. And she even one time had a long meeting with the stake president. I have no idea what consisted of that meeting, but I remember being there for like two hours. And then he came out and he's like, stay with her. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this was a productive meeting. I'll stay with her. But the thing for me was I, and with bishops and with anyone sort of in callings like that, like, I feel like I'm really good about being like, okay, what are, what are you slash who are you? Right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I wouldn't go to a lawyer to get my my fixed arm or my broken arm fixed, right? right? Like he'd be like, go to a doctor. 
And then I would go to a doctor. And so in those situations where, you know, a bishop is a counselor to me, like I sort of take it at face value, like, you know, like you're, you're praying for the spirit and living right. And I'll listen to what you say as counsel, but I'm probably going to go to a marriage therapist. Right, right. Because that would be who would be better suited for this. So we did. And it, you know, that didn't work either. Yeah. And it came to the point where divorce happened and moved yeah, on. And, yeah. and uh, so then where do we go from here that we're building so, back? To yeah, your yeah, yeah. So then, uh, then I asked my, uh, now wife on a date and she says, no. And did, I, said, did, I mean, before that, did, were you coming out of this anger with God at any point or? Oh, no, no, no. You, no, it was, no you're there no, for a while. No, I was there. I'm right in it. <laughs> which, which is interesting because you kept, I mean, obviously the, it's not like the cultural uh, show is, isn't like super spiritual or God focused, but you kind of still stay engaged in some of these sure, projects. And I still were, went to church the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was like, I'm angry. It got in my mouth. But I really did feel like the rage, you know, in Forrest Gump, when Lieutenant Dan's at the top of the like bird's eye thing on the plane uh-huh. or on the boat and the storm's going on, he's like, is that all you've got? Like it, I, I sort of became that way with it. Uh-huh. But part of the healing was, you know, dating my wife. So we meet, I ask her out. She says, no. I ask her out again. She says, no. I said, come on. And uh, so, and where said, did you meet her first? Uh, I met her. I was DJing her father's company's Christmas oh, party. Right. Okay. And uh, got her phone number and then asked her out. And she's like, no, absolutely not. And I was like, come on, consider it. No. But uh, like the like the last 116 pages, if you ask enough, <laughs> you can get it. So she said, yes, I'll give you a walk around the park. And, and, we, and we walked and we talked. And she's like, well, I'll be honest with you. One of my big concerns is, and this is okay for me to say, because at the time it was appropriate, I was a Mormon. She's like, I don't want to date a Mormon. Uh-huh. It's before the name change. Right. And, uh, and so I was like... Uh, yeah, well, here's the deal. Like, I want someone who will love me for who and what I am. Mm-hmm. And if it happens to be, you know, that you're a member of the church, that's great and whatever. And she's like, well, I don't know. I've been burned by this, you know, same explanation before. And I'm like, eh, give me a shot. We started dating and then it was it was very apparent yeah. that, that we would be in each other's lives. So did you... I mean, it, did it take her a while to get past the, the Mormon thing? The, the... No. no, no. It, in fact, it took her zero time to get past the Mormon thing. But her issue was like, she didn't want to be judged about anything. She didn't want to be told that, you know, that she was doing something wrong or that she needed to do something a different way, or she didn't want to feel like she had to join something or anything like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she was, she was really great, even from the very beginning about being supportive of that, but support and like her following the same thing are very different. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, it's not that you said, you know, don't worry. I, yeah, I'm a Mormon, but that's, let's just put that aside. Yeah. You were still straight up like, you know, going to church is important for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want you to come. Oh yeah. So uh, then as we kind of are like, well, you are my, my girlfriend and I am your boyfriend. At that point, I bought the home that I'm living in now. And I was like, here's the deal. I already had a relationship where I went to church and had to do it alone. Or the other person came with me very begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. And I would really, really like it if the person that I'm with would come with me of their own choice. Right. And so she's like, okay, I'll come. Like, what does that look like? Do I have to get baptized? I'm like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Do I have to meet with missionaries? No. But like, like, I want you there with me. It's important. It's important you know what I believe. It's important you know the people of which I'm spending time with every week. And it's, and it's important you know the things that sort of guide and direct me. So, yeah. I, you know, I've often thought, would I, if she said, hey, you know, I'm going to blank church and it's important for me that you come with me and that you know what I believe and where I'm in here, would you do that? And I think my answer is yes. Yeah. She doesn't do that, but I think that my answer is yes. Obviously, you know, barring any sort of conflicting schedule with church. Right. 
Right. Uh, but but it is funny, though, because fairly early on, right after that, she started meeting with sister missionaries and didn't tell me about it. Oh, really? Uh, it was sort of this secret thing. like, And I knew pretty quick because I'm like, well, what are you doing on Thursday afternoon? And she's like, uh, nothing. And don't call or come by. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> OK, well. Either this is the worst, you know, infidelitous kind of relationship <laughs> right. or you're meeting with the missionaries. And, you know, then she I see her at church with me and the, you know, the sister missionaries are very chummy with her. So it's like, all right. Yeah, I, I appreciate how cute it was that you tried to hide this. Got along really, really great with the that first set of sister missionaries. And and then as the old story always goes, is that one of the sister missionaries got transferred away. Mm-hmm. The other one that came in was not as great. The relationship sort of dissolved. And then we got elders in the ward and the and the elders who have served have been Okay. All right. You can leave it there. (laughs) Have not been what she needed. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, and listening, you know, obviously listening to the culture hall and and as your friend, I've never once felt like you diminish, you know, ordinances or the temple marriage or anything, but, Mm -hmm. and and I appreciate your story because you just got to point thinking of like, okay, Maybe I shouldn't just marry a member to marry a member. Right. Because how to, many people do you know that do that? Yeah. Like, I married a return missionary because that's what you do. And right. then they're like, this return missionary is not, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, obviously, I, I'm sure you you hope that maybe that's in your future or sure. whatever it is. But that's not, your relationship isn't contingent on that, right? right. So what would you say to leaders that, you know, because we sort of hedge a little bit like, oh, you're, you know, maybe you should make sure you date this type of guy or a member or, I mean, maybe, and you do see relationships progress and maybe one of them is not a member and you're sort of like, oh, well, you know, while, while you can get out, you know, maybe you yeah, should, yeah, do, yeah. not that they say that, but you know, no, that's, no, that's sure. in our culture. But I mean, parents think that, friends yeah, think right. that as well. So, I mean, there's, this is what I would say about that. I think that an ideal, <laughs> in an ideal world, would my wife be a member of the church and would we be married in the temple? Sure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, then we can go to the temple together if nothing else, right? Yeah. Uh, we can eat dinner in the cafeteria, which I've heard so much about, but never done. <laughs> Although I can't now for four years. I think that any two people- Because the Salt Lake Temple is yeah, closed. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. you're under display yeah, yeah, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, what? What do you do? What, what happened? <laughs> but like to the leaders that would give advice on something like that, like I think I- uh, I think that you give that sort of counsel. It's like if one person in the relationship really believes that, you know, spending time with family is the way that time should be spent. And the other person is like traveling and just being the two of us Mm -hmm. is how our spare time should be spent. I mean, religion is not travel, nor is it family, but those are two very opposing opinions. Right. That if those two people get married, even if they're members of the same church and it's happened to be our church or another church, like there will be conflict because of those differences. Every marriage has differences. I think that, you know, religious differences are a tough thing to navigate. And I think that there's different components of of doing that. So to give a blanket, like here's the advice I would give. I mean, the really strong thing for me is make sure it's someone that loves and supports you, you, how you are and how you want to be. Whether that means you're a member of the church now and potentially you could not be later, you could be inactive now and want to be active later, like someone who genuinely loves you, who you are, and can support you wherever you're at and wherever you want to be. Yeah, love it. So does your wife still attend pretty regularly? Yeah, yeah. every week, baby. So, so tell me about the dynamic as far as your how your ward handles that. How, is that, how have they really Most embraced of them her? think she's a member. <laughs> and and uh, well, while we dated, most of them thought we were already married. Uh, most of them like her more than they like me. That's not a joke. And 
when she shares because she she for the most part and this is more because she's introverted rather than you know membership or non-membership but when she shares things within like a sunday school class uh -huh. who happens to actually be taught by your friend who is at my wedding thomas mcconkey uh -huh, right uh look at that at a previous episode of the cultural hall and have you had him in the saints uh -huh. yeah uh -huh. he's done the circuit he has a few times. Uh, you know when she shares something it's very insightful when she shares something with me it oftentimes will make me think, because what she'll say is, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And not like a confrontational way, but like a, what you're doing doesn't make sense to me. Why are you doing that? Why do you give 10% to the church? Do you really feel like they use it for things that are useful? Mm -hmm. Yes. Why do you think that that's attached to temple attendance? Why do you think, you know, it's like if you had someone in your head, and this is literally, as far as religion goes, the thing I love about her the most it's like if you had someone in your head always going, are you sure you want to do that? And not like horns and pitchfork, right. are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> but like, are you sure you want to do this? And it's like, yeah. So it it can very much become a constant reaffirming position for me with my testimony. Yeah. Awesome. How are you doing on time? When do so we, good. Are we good? Yeah, I, we're I, so great. I have all sorts of avenues. Yeah, take the avenue. Okay. <laughs> so I want to even, we're sort of going backwards in your life here, but uh, after your mission, you went through... The so temple? Through, through, <laughs> through the temple. Where are you right? leading, Kurt? Let's so, just... uh, obviously, you went through some church discipline. Sure. Right? Boy, that's a blast. Yeah, here we oh go. Right? Yeah. So, and this is... How frank can I be here? I'll be completely frank. Okay. That's, okay. that's what we do here. Okay. So, but we're I, so frank, we're frankum. <laughs> I got to get that t-shirt. Yeah. He's uh, so frankum. <laughs> so, because, I, and I've been trying to figure out, I want to do a series of podcasts on this concept of, of disciplinary councils, which are now going to be called member councils we're renaming them we are okay. that's what we do does it sound way. less threatening -y? right uh okay. I, I don't i'm not sure uh, but uh, i'll tell you what though disciplinary council sounds like what it felt like <laughs> <laughs> right and, and i guess that's what it goes to because in my experience you know being in uh, as a bishop in the state presidency like no doubt like those are the most some of those meetings were some of the most spiritual experiences sure. i've i've had in my life right sure so i'm trying to figure out a way to do a, a series or, or talk with individuals who's gone through you know, disciplinary councils, whatever you want to call them, and and just see what we can learn from their experience. Because it is, I mean, it, talk about uh, leadership roulette. I mean, sure. depending on the leader, it, sure. it can be really good or sure. it can be shaming or whatever. So tell us about your experience and, and as if you're talking to a room full of stake presidents and bishops. And I mean, what can we know about your story and learn from your story? Well, it's interesting. So two different times of uh, disciplinary action or member readjustment or whatever we're calling it. Uh, repentance. Re member repentance sessions. MRS. <gasps> like a missus. So I can get married. So the first time I had been home probably about um, 10 months or so. You know what? I realize well, I'll have to be fairly vague within this because I don't know the standards of which you like to talk about stuff. But I uh, was disfellowshipped. You when, can be straight when, up. When I, mean. I, when I say sexual mix, misconduct, I'm sure that everyone sort of has, a, hopefully not a vision in their mind, but like a, a <laughs> level of what they think sexual misconduct is. Now I need- That would I, result to that. That would result in a disfellowship. Now I need you to think about that level and then I need you to dial it back about a hundred notches and that's what had occurred. Mm -hmm. And uh, so- but still, it was something that I recognized, you know, I sh shouldn't have done. So I went and talked to the bishop because that's what you do. Uh -huh. And I went and I talked to the bishop. I said, hey, this is what's going on. This is who this was with. And here's a thing. And uh, they were like, well, we're going to have to have a disciplinary council. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, what? Was this like what? 
appointment one? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went in and I said, this is what I did. And they said, you're going to have to have a disciplinary council. And I was like, this seems excessive. Yeah. Went to zero to right. 60 pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went in and uh, met with them and this was just at the bishop's level. So I go in and the you know, first and second counselor, the executive secretary is there and guys, this is what I did and this is who this person is and this is what happened and, you know, I'm really sorry and, you know, I just want to get this past me so I can feel, you know, clear conscience and be able to you know, attend the temple and all the things. They're like, okay, well, uh, would you mind stepping out for a minute? And, uh, you know, I step and, and out. you didn't know any, like how this would go down. Yeah, I didn't right? know how the structure was like, or anything like that. And so they come, you know, they come out in the hallway probably 20 minutes later and they bring me in and they're like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's been our decision that, uh, you should be disfellowshipped as a member of the church. And I, and I mean, part of me sort of heard the words or whatever, but, but also part of me, as you mentioned, these can be amazingly tremendous spiritual experience. Like I just remember like, oh yeah, the spirit, I haven't felt like this since I served my mission, which is odd. But I was like, okay, no, I'll be back. I'm going to take care of this. Disfellowshipment typically lasts for a year. And I think this was in the spring of, uh, 02 that I got disfellowshipped. And, um, so then I got back to school in the fall of 2002, met with a different bishop because I was in a different ward. I said, hey, just so you know, I wanted to let you know that this is where I'm at and working through this. And he said, well, you know, whatever, what's everything is going on and here's where I've been and this is what I've done. He's like, oh, yeah, no, you're fine. Full fellowship. Come back. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, church leadership that told me this would be a year and I didn't really feel like this was warranted in the first place, but whatever. Uh-huh. And so how long did the time have passed at this? Uh, six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe okay. six months. And so I was like, okay, cool. So then, you know, I'm, I'm doing good, heads on straight. And it probably gets to be eight or 10 months later. And I had been dating a girl for very seriously, an ex-girlfriend of mine. And, uh, you know, we had found ourselves in trouble. Now, again, I'm going to say sexual misconduct and you're going to go, oh, and I need you to dial it back about 50 notches this uh-huh. time. And I was like, okay, but I meet at the bishop level. Hey, I want you to know that here's the thing. Uh, here's what's happened in the past. And it had been a couple of months since anything had occurred. We had set in some things so that, you know, we felt like we were in a good place. And it was more like I wanted to go to the bishop at that point and be like, listen, I recognize that these are things that I've done that have been bad, but I've really set myself on a good path that I want to do this. And I've already got, you know, seven weeks behind me. And so, I, you know, we're doing this. This is great. And he's like, well, we're going to have to have a disciplinary council, but this time on a stake level. And I was like, mm, okay, all right. We did. Okay. So, so th- now d- during this process, like you're just not familiar with a lot of these things where they, they're super familiar with these processes. So you're just thinking this seems odd, but I guess this yeah, is yeah, just yeah. how it's done. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Church leadership, which I trust. Let's do it. So mm-hmm. it was February of 03. And, um, that's when I do my, uh, my, uh, disciplinary council with the stake. So it's a brand new stake president and a brand new, for all intents and purposes that I can tell mostly stake council uh-huh. or high council. Who is part of the disciplinary council if you're, you know, if it's a thing that could be excommunicated. So I'm sitting in the room and what they do is they say, you know, you can have like character witnesses that come down um, or that are able to speak on your behalf. And and I was like, this seems awfully excessive. Um, and you're, you're considering what you did and yeah, again, yeah, yeah. It's, you dial yeah, back, yeah. dial it back 50 notches from and not, the you're, you're not trying to justify it either. You're, you're just yeah, saying yeah, like, yeah. Oh. I'm just like, well, and, and, and I think it's worth mentioning at this point that like, um, I knew that my roommate at college was having intercourse with his wife or, or with his, um, his girlfriend. And that was not a thing that I was doing. Uh-huh. Right. Right. 
And I know that he had just been put on formal probation. Uh-huh. And so for me, I was like, okay, so roommate, formal probation, I haven't gotten close to that. And yet here we are in this, you know, this stake presidency, high council, potential excommunication thing. And so uh, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And they're, they talk about a character witness and I'm like, ah, uh, my dad was like, do you want me to come down? I'm like, no, dad, I'm fine. I, I'll go and I'll tell them and then this will be, you know, we'll move on, hey, yeah. you know, uh, good for you. Seven weeks, you know, doing the things that you should. And we appreciate that you've had this conversation and all this thing. And so I get in and uh, as anyone knows, as part of the sweet part of disciplinary uh, processes is you have it on the bishop's level where you say in detail, this is what we did. And, you know, I felt bad for it. I felt guilty about it. I had remorse about those things. But then they don't just like have a report when you go to the stake that's like, and he says that, you know, this time that this, and it's a formal introduction to it. It's, oh, your name is Richie. Tell us about what you've done, Richie. And then you have to recount everything in front of it. And in this time, it's 15 people who are like, now, when you said this, what did you mean by this? And that part of the process was like 45 minutes. And I'm just like, guys, talk to the bishop. I gave this report. And what are we doing here? My roommate is probably with his girlfriend right now. Okay. Like I'm willing to to have it. So they asked me all the questions. Like I say, he was fairly new. They asked me to leave as I had done before with the bishop's disciplinary council. I leave, I come back and they said, hey, guess what? You're excommunicated. And And, and even in that moment when you heard, I mean, you were not expecting it. Yeah. No, I was like, I mean, the guy, okay. And again, just to reiterate, uh-huh. I use the term sexual misconduct, but it was not intercourse uh-huh. or borderline. Anyway, right. so right. as I emphatically shake my hands towards the <laughs> microphone. And so I just was like, okay, it's funny. The first thing I thought of was like, what underwear am I going to wear tonight? Because uh-huh. all my underwear was garments. Right. Uh, and so I actually asked them that. I remember that as part of the disciplinary council. I'm like, well, can I wear... Can I wear my garments tonight? Because I don't have any other underwear. Because as part of excommunication, they say, you know, remove the garment and right, right. no longer wear it until you're rebaptized. And so they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine until you get to the store tomorrow. And, and then I remember in that time, I think it was a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night when church meetings take place. In that time between then and that Sunday, I was like, well, fine. If God doesn't want me, I don't want to be there. And... uh and it really felt like that because, you know, whether the comparison between what I knew other people who had done, you know, not even just in my mind, but seemingly much worse things and had be punished far less by the same individual, you know, it was a thing for me that like really trying to understand why that was occurring was almost an impossibility. Wake up for church that Sunday morning and I'm like, I don't want to go. And then I was like, I should probably go. That's probably, <laughs> I mean, I should probably go. And if there's anyone that's listening to this and knows anyone that uh, still comes to church when they're excommunicated, Mm -hmm. you should give that person a big hug, look them in the eyes and say, thank you so much for being here. I recognize that this is not an easy thing because Mm -hmm. here's what church is like for an excommunicated member. Hey, can you pray? Nope. Hey, did you want to give a talk? Nope. And you don't want to tell every single person, no, I can't because I'm excommunicated. Mm Mm-hmm. So you just sort of know, and they were like, wow, he seems like a pretty outgoing guy. I wonder why he doesn't want to pray. I wonder why he doesn't want to bear his testimony or give a talk or hold a calling or any of these things. And because you can't share any of that that part of yourself, you go to church and it's very empty, right? Like, I'm here because I have to be here. Otherwise, I'll probably never come back. And so for eight or nine years, 
you know, that's what I did. I went wow. to church and, and had been excommunicated when I got married to uh, my first wife. Then, you know, a couple of months, we got married in August and I was rebaptized in December of that huh. year. And then about a year, a year and a half later, I got my blessings, my priesthood restored uh-huh. and uh, then been that way since. Uh, yeah. So, and I appreciate your story so much because- It's it, frustrating. It, it's frustrating, but at the same time, <laughs> and as everybody knows, I mean, our, our MO here isn't, we're not telling this to throw leaders under the bus. And, no. You know, it is what it is. It, you would no doubt support that. Each one of these leaders were doing their best and they're, sure. they loved you, but maybe their approach to things, maybe, you know, whatever it is. But many, I mean, go, taking people through this process, we sort of, we can sometimes drag them through it and they're sort of confused as we right, go and, right. and we, or we feel like we have to speed up the process mm-hmm. when in reality, like there's no like requirement of how soon that disciplinary council needs to happen. Sure. You, let's just, you know, be here and let me hear you. Let me connect with you. And then maybe in three months, four months, I may utter the words, let's do a disciplinary counselor. Let's right, just, let's right. just go that direction and right. see, because you're sort of in this traumatic state where you're just like, what, like I just did this thing. I feel awful. And now I'm getting blindsided by this other thing. And any other advice, or if you were, if you were on the other side of the, that Bishop's desk, like how you'd handle it a little bit better. I mean, I don't feel like those individuals on the stake level really got a chance to know me. As I mentioned, he was new. A lot of the high counselors. I mean, I literally didn't know anyone in that yeah. room. Maybe I should have considered that and had a character witness like, this is Richie. Guys, Richie, you know, <laughs> he's fine, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what to say as far as that goes, but like take the time to get to know the individual, know the struggles, know, you know, if you're truly understanding what it is that he said that he has done and not done or she is done and not done. Mm-hmm. You know, the hope is, and the interesting part of it too, maybe the frustrating part of it, if there could be a couple that are expressed here is one, like, I feel like we're like, well, you want to be led by the spirit, but I feel like maybe there could be some guidelines mm-hmm. with disciplinary counsel. Like we say murder, like you're going to get excommunicated. Like there could be maybe some other things that it's like, unless blank has occurred, like maybe not excommunication. Uh-huh. I feel like there could be some of that and maybe not. But the other thing is, so you can appeal an excommunication. We hear about that oftentimes with like the doctrinal challenges and then people getting excommunicated and I'm going to appeal, but I know they won't do anything. Usually in the media or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the thing that that is extremely difficult about that is it's, it's essentially a catch 22 because the pitch is these are inspired by God and handed down thusly. So if you're like, I'm not sure God was in on this one, you know, you're questioning the you know, the insightfulness, the spirituality almost of those leaders, like that didn't feel right to me Yeah, because I'm like, no, I'm, I guess I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they thought that, but like, I didn't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like rock meet hard place. And this is where I'm stuck in the middle because where I don't feel like this is okay. I also didn't feel like I could. Yeah. Cause you want to be in this state of, uh, have a repentant attitude. Yeah. Right. And by taking that step, it almost feels like you're pushing back. Exactly. Yeah. Because several people have said, well, why didn't you appeal? And it's like, well, here's the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's tough. Interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's helpful. Anything else about that the whole experience that we were mentioning before? Uh, yeah. Up? Find that person. If you know anyone that, whether it's in your within your own congregation or just someone of your friends or something like that, look at them, tell them that you love them and everything's going to be okay. Right. And if they're not a church, maybe go to their house. Yeah. And say, yeah. That, right? and say hey, you know what? Listen, I love you. And I yeah. just want you to know that. So. Yeah. All right, final question. Well, first of all, before I ask my final question, if 
where can people find you and listen and connect with you? I'm on the internet. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you can find places. the you can find the cultural hall in uh, all places. That's theculturalhall.com or at the cultural hall. If you like my candor, if you don't like me, <laughs> don't listen because it's a whole lot of me. A lot. We do two episodes a week. Typically, one of those episodes is a news episode, and another one is a is an interview, long form format, typically with someone within the church, but not always. Yeah. Previous guests we've had it are a lot of people like you talk about Thomas McConkie, Jane Clayson Johnson. I've interviewed somewhat recently Gail Miller I'm thinking Gail of, Miller uh, uh Boyd Matheson with mm-hmm. the Deseret News and then we also we will probably go into things that you wouldn't necessarily go into leading right. saints like we um, recently interviewed the girl who came out as a lesbian in her ward and then we revisit her that was three years ago so we wanted to find out you know where she's at and what her family dynamic is like and if anyone still goes to church and how she feels either supported or sort of ostracized by Uh those around her within her congregation. So hard conversations, but always from a faithful perspective. And then if you want to find me in particular, it's just Richie T. Stedman. And I'm this Richie T. Stedman that's not from England. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then also, if you ever watch uh, or if you ever listen to BYU Radio, I co-host The Lisa Show. I know it's called The Lisa Show and I'm a co-host and my name's not there. Don't ask me, ask them. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Last question I have is, uh, you know, as you fl- reflect back on, you know, the, the the repentance process you you went through and the disciplinary councils, the marriages, the remarriages, your mission, like how, looking back on that in hindsight, how has that made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? So, you know, it's interesting to me because as I think of my faith, as I think of my life, and as I think of like, you know, I'm coming up on the big birthday, which is the four zero, it's the midlife crisis. And I'm I'm going to dive full in. I'm going to need you to stay close to me. Okay. Like, as I think about it, like it's messy, mm-hmm. right? I think that, I think that God knew, knows that it would be messy. And I think the thing for me, this journey that has helped me to be a better follower, better faithful member, rephrase the question for me one more time. How's it made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? Better follower of Jesus Christ. Is that like, like that he's there, Right. One of the things, in fact, there's anything that I ever say, it's that, you know, the one thing in life that you can be perfect at is never giving up. And that really resonates with me. Hasn't been perfect. Hasn't even been ideal. In fact, a lot of times, even just in the in some of the stories that we shared about, has been really frustrating. Always have felt like Christ is there and always has felt like God has some sort of plan in it and then just not giving up so that at some point I hope to be able to look back and be like, oh, Oh, that's why. I got it. Okay. So just just never give up. That concludes my interview with Richie T. Bless his heart. Such a good friend. I love the guy. I seriously love the guy. When you when you sit down with him and meet him and hang out with him, you just are drawn to him. He's just such a good soul. And uh, I'm so happy I can call him a friend. Uh, definitely check out his podcast, The Cultural Hall. Uh, wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast. And uh, he, and also, you know, his BYU radio, the Alicia show that he co-hosts. And also he's a DJ as well. The uh, the best, best DJ in Utah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Best DJ in Utah.com. And uh, he does a great job with DJing. I've seen him in action and he's, he's awesome. So check all that out. And I'd be interested, who else should I possibly interview? Uh, that you know, maybe another podcast host, maybe someone with a unique perspective. Uh, I would love to hear it. So go to leadingsaints.org slash 
contact and send me a message and let me know. And again, if you are looking to contribute a little more, if you have a few a few hours a week to focus on a certain project that we're working on, it would really make a difference and help us grow our mission and move towards our mission to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And of course, the meeting experts. I need the meeting experts to be part of this upcoming virtual summit. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 and join the Core Leader community today. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.